0: Uh, This morning it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day! Celebration of love today. Uh, Some of you even wearing red. Uh, That's impressive. Like you knew, you connected your wardrobe with the day. That's awesome. Um, We live in a world. uh, You live in it as well as I do. That um, selfishness is honored and cheered. Uh, We uh, we. think it's great when someone's selfish and they take care of themselves and they put themselves first and uh we honor and cheer that we realize too that we live in a world that's changed even from my upbringing Uh, my time i'm starting to sound like an old guy which is okay Um, you can online shop and uh, when you're sitting at your home and you can point and click and ideas that uh you never had before eventually turn to purchases and uh Things that you never knew that you needed uh, eventually come to your house. The uh, guy in brown comes and delivers them. It's good to have you here today, BJ. Um, And uh, causes us discontentment uh, with what we are or what we have. We have information overload. Uh, We can get news uh, uh, from many different sources within a couple of clicks. And it invades our time. And it's news that uh, is unfiltered. It's not something where uh, we have chosen necessarily what we're going to look at. All of a sudden we're, we're concerned about things. We have news that's before us and for some of us uh, we uh, get spun up inside and, and we're starting to spend our emotional energy on things we have no control over and in many ways don't have a whole lot of effect on our lives, but we are convinced that our world is ruined by the news that we see. We also live in a a world today that uh, is is filled with pornographic images that both come in by choice and others by just living in our world today. Our wealth and materialism has made us self-sufficient, And able to pursue anything uh, that we want and get most of the things that we desire. Pride and arrogance is uh, voted for and considered leadership in our world today. This is the world we live in. So go have a great marriage. Uh, Enjoy your life and do your best. And it'll be easy to do these things, right? It'll be easy to have a good marriage, right? No, very difficult. In fact... I was thinking about it. It reminds me of trying to grow veggies in Tehachapi. <laughs> right? You ever tried to do that? It's hard, huh? Got a few things working against you. It's the desert. Did you, did you understand that this is the desert area here? Even our snow is dry, usually. Um, uh, we have gophers. We have rough and rocky soil. The water is not plentiful. Hopefully, maybe next summer we'll have a little bit more. Uh, We have dry winds. We have a late frost. But other than these things, it's really easy, right? It's Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Day. And uh, as it were, um, we... uh, talked about uh, three weeks ago, we started talking about divorce and really God's design for marriage His, as he placed it in the book of Genesis as it was created. And then a couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, the idea of strengthening our, our, our marriage and relationship. And last week, we handled some other things regarding divorce. And now I want to give you something uh, that will be helpful for you today, not just in your marriage, but in your relationship with your kids your grandkids with your relationships here at church uh, with God's people and hopefully this will be helpful for you Uh, I'll be encouragement to you as you think through what true love is you can turn in your Bibles to the book of first Peter Uh, we'll we'll start kind of at the beginning and uh, we'll plow through till we get to chapter four and uh, we'll be looking at really chapter four verse eight The book of First Peter starts off in a unique way. Let me pray first and just ask God's blessing on our time. God, thank you for the opportunity of being in your word. We realize that this is your word. It's not ours. Uh, we would not have written it this way uh, because we're not smart enough. We're not wise enough. We are not perfect. And so we uh, find ourselves needy, uh, needing of your message and needing of your input into our lives to, that, that we might be changed and I pray that that would happen for us this morning as we look to your word. God thank you. Uh we need you all the time and so we ask. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. You look at the beginning of the book of 1 Peter and it's the scattered people. It's the the people that are kind of dispersed or or kicked around in this area and a few towns and it's not the majority it's the idea that god's people that have been changed are kind of scattered out through this area and so if you can consider yourself a scattered people I, i think that's helpful i think that you realize that uh our world is not the the idea that we are everyone who believes what i believe isn't the majority uh probably never was but uh the idea, as we look at our world today, we realize that uh, people who love and cherish God's word, the gospel of Jesus Christ, are not the majority. Not everyone not thinks the same. And so we live in the midst of that. I, I think we could see examples of that. Even this last week, as you, you look through the news and you consider even politicians and various ways for our country to go, you realize that that doesn't reflect who I am. That doesn't reflect what God wants. And yet, uh, this is where we live. This is the place we call home. If you look at, uh, th- this is the context for the book of First Peter. It's scattered people trying to live for him, being changed, being called to himself, and, and now living in this place. So, uh, Peter has a specific message. And I, and I want to say this, i will we'll get to it in a moment, but the context is suffering it's because everyone's not cheering when we honor the Lord. Everyone's not agreeing with us. Everyone's not looking favorably on us because we wear the name Christian. We wear the name I'm uh, a follower of Christ. I've been changed by Jesus. And so this changes how we should live. And I, I want to just point something out real quickly. If you look over at chapter 3, starting in verse 1, I'm just going to read this passage. You can figure out what this means, okay? English it's all in English now translated okay uh, it says this chapter uh, 3 verse 1 likewise wives be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word they will be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct and do not let your adorning be external The braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, which is with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husband. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord and your children and do good and do not fear anything that it is frightening. And then verse 7. Likewise husbands live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Husbands, wives, wives, husbands, right? uh he calls them to live for him that that the the husband is supposed to live in a peculiar way in regards to his wife in the midst of suffering in the midst of difficulty uh in the midst of a culture that doesn't agree they're to follow God in the way they relate to their wife and the wife as well in the midst of of living, not in a world where everyone agrees and not everyone is cheering upon you. That He says, wives, live in a certain way in regards to your husband because you're mine, because you're mine, but you're living in a world of suffering and maybe even in a home of suffering. Uh, you, you notice he, he points out, and you can look through this whole section, uh, it's, it's in bad situations you do what's right. It's in difficulty and suffering you do what's right, and then he says this in verse nine. He says, "Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil, for or revile reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For those, uh, uh, but on the contrary, bless." for to this you were called, and then he goes on to explain this blessing, okay, so if you see the context, and in different ways, Peter is telling different groups to do this, he's saying, do what's right, in the midst of suffering, in the difficult times, do what's right, and, and he calls to the women, especially the wives, and he says, do what's right in your marriage, Even if it's difficult, even in the midst of a world that doesn't appreciate, do what's right. Hey, men, treat your wives in a special way, a different way than the world does. Why? You're in the midst of suffering. Do it anyways. Do it anyways. This is the way you're to live. And he says, he talks about this, that we are to live in a different way. And it's not repay evil for evil. Uh, you, You know what that is, right? For the Super Bowl last week. They just played it for fun. They didn't keep score. You know, everyone's a winner in the end, right? Uh, everyone gets a trophy, participation award. Moms are out there taking pictures of their sons. No. Uh, it, 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 there was a score, right? Uh, and you, you look at it and you say, well, what, where's the score found in this passage? Evil for evil, right? you did something wrong now i get to do something wrong you said an unkind word now i get to say an unkind word it's justified it's justified i want to tell you that the picture of marriage is not we're justified in our sin it's not repaying evil for evil it's not well she started it that's that's having siblings right Right, well, not my fault. She started it. That was my toy. I had it first. You know, if she wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have done this, and we wouldn't be in this mess right now. This is not the picture of what it is to walk with God. And Peter, he is sharing this with uh, this group who are in the midst. they're not the majority. They're suffering, and they're being pressured on it. He says, "Look." husbands you have a, a a different relationship because you've been changed by me you have a different relationship with your wife you talk to her you treat her different because i've treated you differently and wives you, you it's not about your husband and who he is it's about who your relationship is with me and so you see wives and husbands and that they are not called um people are not called to repay one another based upon how they were treated you skip over to chapter 4 you see this and he talks more about suffering he says since therefore christ suffered in the flesh verse one arm yourselves in the same way of thinking and you look at this and you go through this section and he says suffering 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 Uh, you skip down to verse seven he says the end of all things is at hand therefore be self-controlled sober-minded for the sake of your prayers." And he's heightening this. He says this pressure on you makes it more important that you would be in your heart and mind, that you'd be dialed in, that you'd be focused on what Christ wants you to be. Why? Because uh, days are short. Days are short. Time is short. And then um, verse 12, skipping down to verse 12, I just pointed out again. He says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, okay? Suffering is not strange for the believer in Jesus Christ. Difficulties are not something that are out of the norm, okay? That's not a really good uh, health, wealth, gospel message, is it? Uh, Everything's going to be great. Everything's gonna be great in your life. You come to Jesus, you won't have any more problems in your marriage. You won't have any problems in your finances. You won't, that? That that? I like that message a little bit better. Apart from it not being true, okay? Uh, I want you to get this: that as you look at the scripture, he warns us over and over again. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when suffering comes to your life. And so uh, I want to say this: and don't be surprised. Uh, when suffering and pain come to your marriage come to your marriage don't be surprised and you say well isn't that the protected place that God protects and that uh, nothing bad can ever happen I go back to my intro last week Uh, you know why marriage is so hard right one sinful person marrying another sinful person trying to raise a bunch of other sinful people okay that's what it is that's what it is and so we come together and we realize that, that there's pressure from the outside. There's pressure from the inside. There's pressure on our marriage. What should we do? And I want to give you a verse this morning. I hope it will be encouragement to your soul. In the midst of uh, Peter talking about the, the, how to live in the midst of suffering, in chapter 4, verse 8, it says this. Look down at it. I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. Well, I already read verse 7, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. And then he says this, above all, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Some of you say, well, what does that have to do with marriage? What does that have to do with my family? You know, I don't see the connection. I don't see the connection. Let me go slowly and clearly for you this morning, first of all, point number one, above all, the priority uh, that in the midst of all that Peter says he he, he elevates this one point he God wants us to see this. There's many more things that we can see in the book of 1 Peter that we are to do, that we are to march on, that should be motivated by the gospel, that Jesus changes us. And he says, here, do this now, because this is going to change your life. But then he says this, above all, this is a priority. This is a priority. What will make your, your marriage a great place? It's what he's going to say next. What's going to make your relationship with your kids different? it's what he's going to say next what's going to make our church a great place it's what he's going to say next he says above all a priority um, we need priorities we need priorities why do we need priorities why do you need a, a list of things to do and then out of that list one needs to pop to the top why because you can't do everything uh some of us have lists that are very long how many of you have a long list a long list of things to do um so i, I don't really like lists i i'm not a list guy i've been making lists lately and i realized why i don't like lists because the lists are too long and you write them out and you go oh man i, oh, I just want to go back to bed you know I get out of time, so so when you have these long list of things, you say, "Where do I start? Where do I start?" And I want to encourage you: This is where you start. This is where you start. God wants to elevate this in our in our marriage and in our life. That this one thing that would be elevated and would become the priority for us. So that was point number one. This is a priority. Second point. Second point love this is a great valentine's message i'm so excited about this you know love is a great thing especially on valentine's day all you got to do is buy candy it's real simple it works and some some of us are pretty simple you know just hey i'm happy you know I'm, i feel love uh, unfortunately the the candy runs out at least at our house it does the candy runs out uh it, it runs out and, and you say well what happens now uh what is it uh what is love and so it's interesting we you know we have a whole uh group of romance movies in our culture that like this is this is what love is and you can watch those and some of them are cute and everything like that but you got to kind of back away and go is this what love is is this what God determines as love, and is this the love that I should share with my wife? Is this the love that I should share with my children? Is this the love that I have for my church? And so we look to God's word, and we see um, that that God puts out His love as being different. He He calls us to love as He loves, and it goes kind of like this. The Uh, this love comes from god it comes from god it comes from god to us it's not something that that we loved him first but on the contrary he loved us first that his love came to us from heaven Uh, you can see it as the specific act of jesus himself coming but you can also see it prior to that that god loved his people, that his love was expressed down to earth. So God's love leads us to loving him, that we respond to him. Uh, We know from 1 John that we love because he first loved us. He loved us and then we love him in return. It's the response. So so he shows us his love and then we love him back. We reciprocate, which leads us to actively loving one another. You see in this passage, and it's, it's a peculiar thing, we, we, it, it doesn't seem natural. So, so God loved me, and I, I want to say, I, I want to love Him. I want to love Him. But God says, in loving me, you go love one another, love one another. We see this when uh, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and he did this amazing act for them. And there was an obvious response that would be, so now I will wash your feet, Jesus. But he doesn't say that. He says, now you go and wash one another's feet. And so we see this again, that what he calls us to is that we would love one another. That we would love one another. That that the love that He has shown us would now go to the, the people around us, the one He has called us to, our husbands, our wives, our children, our church. This love, that, so, so you got it, right? A priority, it's a priority. It's love, love one another. Number three, it's earnestly or... Uh, we look at this and we say, well, what kind of love is it? Why did uh, Peter, as he's writing this, what does he make a big deal? He says he told us to love one another. But he, he said it in a peculiar way because he, he wanted to stop and say, this isn't just like a, a common kind of love. He says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly in the ESV. The, the idea of fervent love the, the idea of an intense kind of love and you say well this is different I, as you think about this love is assumed in a family love is assumed oh you're family and w- even by saying family there's a sense of loyal love of partnership of this is what's there oh you're married oh you're married there's an assumption that the common love of just being married is there. Oh, you're a church. You're a church. Oh, that's, you know, that's kind of your group, your crew, right? I understand that. But Peter makes a point and he says earnestly, I want, I want you to see this as a special kind of love. It, it, this word gives the idea of being constant or intense to be stretched out. Stretched out. Some of you parents know about this, right? Kids have stretched you out. You know, you, you're, you're out of money, time, body, like everything, right? You, you feel like they've worked you over and over and over. You stretch out. to The, the idea of full capacity, this word is used in other places where it describes the, the idea of a horse being at full gallop. It's not just kind of... Walking down the path, you know, the horses of Bear Valley, right? You know, you're just kind of down this path, you know. I I remember I was standing out in the parking lot when I was a youth pastor, and I I came out for something, and I look over, and there's a horse full gallop going down Columbia, just booking. And I thought, that's really cool. And I think, that's probably not a good thing, is it? You know, (laughs) hey, I saw your horse, it was going that way no riders, <laughs> just by himself, full gallop, full gallop, you get the picture, right, it's, it's that idea, this word's also used in different places, where it, it talks of an athlete, and their muscle is stretched to the, to the maximum, I don't know, it's kind of interesting, even if you don't like working out, have you ever been into a gym, uh, you know, I, when I was in high school, I thought I was going to be uh, awesome, because i was in high school and uh and uh i got a membership to gold's gym gold's gym back in the day and so i'd go to gold's gym and it was other than just being it was just fun being there you know because you'd see these guys that are just huge and they'd grab these weights and they put mirrors everywhere right that's funny, isn't it? You know? And then these guys would grab these weights and they'd look at themselves in the mirror and they, they'd just look at their arms and all the bulging muscles and the, the veins and just it's just ready to explode. They're stretched and they're sweating. and there's all the, This is the picture of what kind of love is described. It's that idea that we're stretched to the maximum, that we're giving it all that we have. This is the full gallop of love. This is the, 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 the athlete who's giving it his all. The casual kind of love is assumed that it would be there, but he's calling us and he's saying, this is the kind where we give all that we have. This is different. This is different. I'll say it this way. This is not leftover love. Leftovers. You know, uh you know, hey, you're here, I'm here. I don't have anything better to do. So I guess I'll love you. I guess I'll show love to you. You know, I I, I had a hard day, but I got a little bit left in the tank. But I might love you. This is not what he's called us to. He says, make it a priority above all, above all else. Love one another earnestly. Love in this special giving and extraordinary giving and intense giving sort of way. This is what he calls us to. So earnestly. For, he tells us why. He tells us why. As you look at this verse, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers. Love covers. um, As I see this this concept of covering, uh, what a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. Love covers. Love covers. It takes care of. It, it, It draws people away if you think about this you say well what does that mean to cover and obviously there's this connection not some have connected it to proverbs it speaks of something similar to this may or may not be that exact one but it is a common idea that this is what jesus did for us he covered us that what he did took care of our sins in such a way where we could be covered white as snow. As you look at this, the idea of covering is the opposite of exposing. Exposing. And it's looking at the sins that we commit, and it's saying, I will not expose your sins, but I will cover your sins. I've shared this with you before. Uh, and those of you who shared Bible study with me, you maybe heard me say this hundreds of times. Hey, you missed a spot. Some of us think that's uh, uh, our role in marriage. Our role in marriage. is to point to our spouse and say, hey, you missed a spot. You blew it. It's it's the you know the snotty-nosed kid in the dugout where you've just gone up to the plate and you've done all that you could and you strike out you come hanging your head into the dugout and the kid looks at you and he goes you struck out <laughs> I know I go to public school but I can count to 3 okay the ump made sure that I knew it too you know I, everybody knows it but but you have to point it out because that's what you think your role is. You, you, you think that maybe your role is to teach a lesson. Teach a lesson. You know, they, they messed up, and I want to just reiterate it in such a way that they would know next time not to do that. That's my role. I want to tell you that this is not what this verse is talking about. Your husband or wife does not need a teacher He doesn't need to shove the report card in their face. You're failing. He says love covers. Love covers. It's It's not the idea that we would expose one another's failings over and over again. Their sins. Say you missed a spot. Or even, you know, some of you think that your role is to remind people. Remind people. Remember that one time? where you did that one thing and you were wrong? I just wanted to say that. Because I have a good memory for those things about you. This is not our role. It, it, it's the idea that some of us think, and in, in, when I say some of us, I'm saying some of us, okay? Sometimes we think it's our role to point out others faults and then bury them from them in them to dig a hole and bury them and point it over and over again and over and and reiterate and reiterate i want to tell you this is not our role in fact this is not helpful in fact he he put a priority that love this is not the way love responds love covers love covers It's interesting uh, to me, and, and s- some objections in our heart come up when, when you hear this. You say, well, sin's important. Sin's important. Yes, it is. I, I want to tell you that uh, your love, your love for your spouse, your children, your church, cannot cover their sin before God. Okay? Okay? You don't don't have to worry. You say, well, sin's an issue to God, and so I can't cover up. Don't worry. He can still see it, okay? Our sins, our sins are between us and God. And and God doesn't need us to point them out for Him. When we point out another sin, I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. God doesn't go, oh, I didn't see that before you pointed it out. It is not about us covering our sins or one another's sins so that God cannot see them. He can. It's also not an issue of justice either. It's not an issue where justice... uh, It's the idea that we would not highlight and expose someone's sin. It's not that we would lie for one another and say things didn't happen that truly happened. We wouldn't dismiss them and say they were right when they were really wrong. But but love covers. It covers. It doesn't expose. As you look at God's word, uh, you, you see one uh, this this one last thing. Well, that love covers. I, I want to point something out here. In Revelation chapter 10, twelve verse ten, let me read this to you because I think it'll be interesting to you. And it speaks, you know. Obviously, it's a book of Revelation. It speaks of kind of the sorting out of end times events. And John's vision goes like this, and he says, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come. And then it says this, For the accuser of the brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God the accuser of the brethren, the one who accuses. We have an enemy who, one of the things that he does is accuse God's people over and over again. And I thought of this, and as I was considering this idea that, that love covers a multitude of sins, it's not love accuses over and over again when sin comes up love is the the one who points it out and highlights it and makes a big deal out of it love is the one who brings it up over and over and over again even when it's been gone for a long time he reminds people of his sins love isn't the one who teaches and and drives it in and beats people with it this is not love this is not the plan of god this is the tactic of the enemy On the other hand, um, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, it's spoken of another time as well. It speaks of uh, really going to the Old Testament, what Jesus was to be in the New Testament, and then Christ giving his sacrifice, but it says this, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. That's covering, right? Right it's covering it's a, it's not this idea that we take a spotlight and put it on it love covers love covers and he says lastly what love covers a multitude of sins multitude of sins sounds like marriage to me a multitude of sins you know i didn't realize how selfish i was until i got married I had my own room, I had my own life, I had my own car, I had my own closet. <laughs> not saying that's not still true. Sorry, babe. Uh, <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, I, and, and there's this weird thing about getting married. Many of you experienced it. You you get married and you start going, oh wait a minute, this is ours. This this is something to be shared. This is something to be. Uh, we, we don't even have our own schedule anymore, right? we we live in the same house we we drive the same cars we you know we share that and then kids come about and that happens again right some of us are making that adjustment right kids are taking over our world and we're going i don't like this i don't like this it's okay it's good it's good for you to be second third fifth sixth seventh place right or farther down the list a multitude of sins, a multitude of sins. You know what? When that happens, when your life bumps up against my life, sins are bound to happen. And so we'll have opportunity after opportunity to express this love that God showed us in covering over a multitude of sins. And you know what that means? It means a multitude of sins, hers and yours, and theirs too, right? Uh, Her sins, your sins, and those kids, those kids. And when you invite them, your grandkids, too. You you see how this works out? This is what God calls us to. Because we live in a world where he's called us out of this world, a world that, that we suffer, that's not ideal, that we still struggle with sin. He says, above all, above all, love one another earnestly. Earnestly. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Let me pray for us. God, may this uh, verse mark our homes. May it save our marriages. May, May it cause us and motivate us to not give up on our kids, but show them grace upon grace. God, help it. Help us uh, to honor you and to, to live this out as you have shown us in this church. God, do your work in us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Happy Valentine's Day. You are dismissed.